This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody and welcome to a brand new live episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Well, we're back at it here. We're back uh, from Comic Con. Uh, some of us traveled farther than others, uh, but we are here to discuss everything that went down. Well, not everything, obviously, because we didn't go to every panel, but as much as we can discuss about 2023 San Diego Comic-Con, we're excited to be going live. Excuse me, I have two fans going on because it is hot AF down here in San Diego, and I can't put on the air conditioning for another four hours. So uh, this is what I have to deal with uh, today here. But I am uh, excited to be hanging out with these two gentlemen to talk about everything going on at Comic-Con and also talk about some entertainment news that happened while we were away as well. Perfect timing. Let me turn off the phone. Uh, I Let's introduce ourselves, though. Before we go forward, I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. I can blast my AC when I want, and my phone is already turned off. (laughs) And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where if it looks like my screen is yellow, it's because I'm I'm coming from the surface of the sun, because I'm also not allowed to blast the AC (laughs) unless my wife says it's okay. Exactly. You you know what? She's not home right now, so it's... (laughs) couple minutes i might be running out she might be watching yeah i know mine is out of town but still she's monitoring because we're on the google nest which monitors the temperature and the app in the house so anytime between 4 to 9 p.m we are not allowed to turn on the air conditioner the central air but the central air has been a nice thing to experience over the last week or so since we had it installed uh so we're excited (laughs) about that but anyway you're not here to talk about air conditionings we're here to talk about everything that (laughs) What's going on? Everything that went down at San Diego Comic-Con 2023. So remind you, this is a live show. So first of all, thank you to the 100 already who are joining us live. Thank you very much. Make sure you hit a like on this video. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell button as we go along. And of course, the stream labs and super chats are open. So anything you want to ask us, anything you want to talk about from Comic-Con, uh, uh, Michael and Shannon were there for all four days. I was there for two out of the four days. We are happy to talk 
with you about them. So send them in and we will read them as we go along through the show. Mike, let's start with you. What an interesting Comic-Con. The studios uh, pretty much just skipping it. Uh, and then also a lot of the actors and, and uh, writers not going as well because of the strikes that are happening. So a lot of people weren't sure what to expect from this Comic-Con, but 130,000 plus still went to this Comic-Con, still honored their hotel reservations, still showed up. And it's uh, overall, the vibe seems to have been positive. What's your experience after these four days at this particular Comic-Con? Yeah, you know, it... It's funny. Obviously, a big part of Comic-Con, especially in more recent Comic-Cons, is like, oh, the Marvel panel, the DC panel, like who, you know, the the big, big news, the huge announcements, like the huge, like showmanship of everything, going to like the big parties. And uh, that wasn't there this year. I mean, it just wasn't. That was not what it was about. And particularly with the actors striking right beforehand, like you could definitely tell uh, in some of the panels where they had clearly planned to bring the cast there and all of a sudden they didn't have a cast and people were scrambling to figure out what to show, what to do, what to say. So there was definitely that vibe, but kind of to your point, and this is kind of the conversation that I had again and again and again all weekend with people, there was something kind of nice about it. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. I think everybody kind of goes, obviously, Uh, And Shannon and Kalinowski and I were talking about this on the way home. We realized that next year, assuming that strikes are all handled and everything is hopefully back to business as usual, there's a really good chance that we're going to have a massive Marvel panel and a massive DC panel with James Gunn duking it out for the big attention spot. And so there's definitely an excitement about going back to the stuff that we missed. But for this year, just kind of not having to wait in any lines, being able to go to an 1130 Hall H panel and walk in at 1131 and not even have to worry about it. Uh, Just, it was kind of nice. The focus was on, I would say, the characters, the comics, and the cosplay. That was really what this weekend was about. I mean, I think the fans really came in strong. Uh, I saw a lot of Barbies, a lot of Mandalorians and a lot of Spider-Men and Spider-People from all corners of the multiverse. I think those were the three most popular costumes. Um, but yeah, lots of nerds, lots of geeks, having fun, buying shit, mm. taking pictures of each other, and just loving the characters in the comics because there wasn't all of that crazy stuff to go see. So yeah. it was very relaxing and made me feel proud to be a geek. Yeah, for those of you who are new to the idea of Comic-Con, and some of you may be listening who have no idea what this is, you know, um, in years past, and certainly at the height of Lord of the Rings and the height of Twilight, um, there were people lined up for days outside of Hall H, just to give a a counter to what Michael's talking about. In in those days, you'd have to line up three days ahead of time. People took turns holding lines, sleeping overnight. That was part of the deal. And then they enacted the new lottery or the lottery system. So people didn't have to necessarily stay overnight, but could if they needed to, if they wanted to. But that's how it was back then. And to have an entire four days where you could just casually walk into Hall H and watch some, I would argue, good panels, not necessarily maybe at the level in terms of scope and spectacle. Shannon, you spent a lot of your time in Hall H from the texts that I was getting and from your stuff that you were posting. What's your feeling about the overall four days and your time in Hall H? Um, as Vogel already said, and as you heard, mm. very positive. I mean, I think the 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 challenge with those big, awesome panels that everybody wants to get into, 
Not everybody does. So you there is sort of a there's a mad rush on the floor to make sure that someone's in line for this. Someone's in line for that. Um, And then there's also people getting turned away. Yeah. And that didn't really seem to be the case uh, this year. There was one panel that I went to that they did take out the the little uh, attendance clicker um, where it looked like, okay, they might actually run out of seats here. Um, and that was in Ballroom 20, which is not it is not the 7000 holding Hall H, but it is a big yeah. it's a big yeah. room. Um, but overall, I thought it was great. I mean, uh, along with being sort of our annual getaway that we mm-hmm. always take, um, just the joy and the celebration of people um, getting to show off their love of their characters. You get to see the creativity and the ingenuity of folks who might not work in show business. And you see just how incredibly creative and resourceful people are. And there was definitely also a different vibe from um, the, the workers this year. Mm, mm. Um, and again, very, very positive. I mean, you know, as you said, there were no less people, um, yeah. but the workers were just so friendly mm-hmm. um you know a lot of people you know there there is a, a a train that goes through right before right through the middle of the convention center no right before the entrance there yeah. is a train and yeah. the yeah. way that they were cautious with people like hey nobody go nobody go nobody go and then when they were able to let people go through have a good time have a good time walking into hall h both days earlier um yeah. that i went um it reminded me of the the Canadian equivalent of uh, Black Friday. I mean, mm. it was literally employees lined up applauding as as you're walking in, and people. I mean, it was so unexpected. Like I've never I've never seen that before. And people, like literally, there was a Wonder Woman next to me trying to get her cell phone out because she wanted to tape the employees who yeah. were just so like, "We're happy you're here," because Comic Con is a big thing for San Diego's economy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, conventions in general, that's a big thing in San Diego. And Comic Con, I don't know if it's the biggest. I'm guessing it is. Yeah. Um, but everyone was everyone was just super super positive and that was the most that was the most wonderful thing to see that in the absence of you know hollywood coming in and shouldering <laughs> pushing people around guess what we're dro- we're dropping this we're dropping that um you know was the was the lack of announcements i won't even say disappointed it was just different like we're right. we're used we're used to that we're used to like the four of us in our hotel room did you see this trailer did you see that you know Right. That that necessarily wasn't there. Like there were a few trailers that were dropped. Yeah. Um, but again, it was just it was great. Like in in uh even though there were 130,000 people and it was crowded, it was very, very relaxed. And I had a great time. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I you know, the two times I went down walking the floor, it was much more relaxed. It was full. Don't get me wrong, there was a lot of people, but you didn't sense that kind of negative exhaustion vibe that you would normally feel in certain times. You actually could get in, take pictures in certain areas where, where you would normally stand in line forever. Uh, people seem to be, yeah, there was a, 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 high, a happier vibe, a more relaxed vibe. And you're right, Shannon, to bring that up because this is the second year of a three-year contract extension. There's no guarantee if they don't sign, you know, obviously if they don't have next year is their last year under the current contract. If they don't sign another contract, Comic-Con could go someplace else. So that could be another part of this. Is these people maybe were afraid, like, no one's going to come with the studios. Not, are people going to drop out, not show up? Uh, and so the fact that 130,000 people still showed up and they were all able to be employed during that time, these uh, these volunteers or these employees, I mean, I'm sure they were incredibly happy. 
to have that uh, cash still coming through uh, their bank accounts. But yeah, I mean, and I liked it. I, I went in, uh, I know there were some, pan- I, one of the things that was an, how can I say, an indirect result of no big studio presence was all these smaller panels were becoming, were became stand room only, standing room only, a full panel. Some people what like um, uh, some people weren't, uh, didn't get into certain panels that I know. And they were standing in line for an hour and 40 minutes in the smaller rooms. The star Wars publishing panel had to cut the line. And a lot of people were left out of the star Wars publishing panel because of that. Star Wars outlaws had a lot of space. So we were all able to get in, but certain rooms didn't plan or certain, uh, certain people putting on stuff in certain rooms didn't plan on the fact that more people would want to go and check out these panels. So in the long run, it was good for everybody. I think it spread the wealth and everyone was able to feel good about having so many people uh, in their panels uh, for sure. And Mike, you were a guest on a panel on Sunday. What was that experience like? Was it a full room? Did you get uh, the feeling like people were really excited to be in that room and hear what you all had to say? Um, yeah, I mean, it was nice. It wasn't a full room, uh, okay. Sunday morning, 1030, you know, last day of Comic-Con, but it was, uh, with Prism Comics, the rise of, uh, LGBTQ representation for, in comics and animation for young people. Yeah. And it was a really well-attended panel, I thought. Uh, you know, you never know with those kind of panels if you're gonna have a lot of people or little people. And I think it was, um, by the end of the panel, it was almost a full room. Um, mm-hmm. Still plenty of room for people to come in, but a lot of people interested. And I think it kind of just goes to what you were saying. Um, and I found myself doing the same thing. I mean, I was going through the app on Wednesday and I was starring mm-hmm. panels that I wouldn't normally have planned on going to right. just because I would have known, okay, well, Saturday afternoon, like just going to be getting into that Marvel panel. Got to see that. So my Saturday is basically out. And so you just had more time to explore. And I think, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan and yeah. there's not any other big things, yeah, you're going to go see the Star Wars Outlaws panel. You want to go see the publishing panel, find out what's happening in the High Republic. I mean, so I think that it did cause people to, to Shannon's point, it's yeah. not not disappointment that the big stuff wasn't there. It was missed. You, re- yeah. you recognize, you felt like that big stuff wasn't there, but th- it just let you direct your attention to all of the other awesome stuff that's going on and put the focus back on the comic books, which is yeah. the whole reason that all of us are there in the first place. You don't have a Marvel Cinematic Universe, a DC Cinematic Universe, or anything else without the comic books. And it was yeah. it felt like the focus was a little bit back on that. Yeah, um, Ted Abenheim, Abenheim, I hope I'm saying that right, who is the president of the LGBTQ comic a comics advocacy organization prism he said that a majority of their panels that they put they moved their panels into larger rooms yeah. because of the demand and that a majority of the panels were standing room only and he said i was very pleased to see the turnout a number of publishers told variety that they'd also seen a noticeable increase in the number of people coming to the sprawling showroom floor so shannon you walked the floor a few times you love to walk the floor more than once what was the vibe you were getting as you were walking the floor and seeing the different uh, booths and the different installations that were there adjacent to the floor? I mean, there is, you know, they still have their exclusives. And, and again, I think the, the environment in the past is yeah. a little more high pressure hmm. uh, because, you know, they don't, you know, they, they have X amount of this thing there that they're selling. Yeah. And the, floor can already get very crowded and sometimes those lines can bleed into the crowd and it, it is impossible not to get a little flustered at times on the floor because you can see where you want to go yeah, yeah and it's just it's just a sea of humanity um but again i just think the the vibe on the floor was again just 
just a little more positive. I mean, mm-hmm. people people were happy to be there. This is, a you know, last year's Comic-Con. We were all masked up, which, um, you know, that that was part of that was part of the deals. Like if we're going to do this, everyone is in masks. And from what I remember, everyone really abided by those rules. And that rule didn't apply this year. So I think yeah. people were ha- I think people were happy by, about that. Some people cho- still cho- uh, still chose to wear their mask. And, you know, no, 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 uh, no foul, no qualm. I mean, it, it was yeah. it was great. And uh, there was a as I think it was as Vogel and I were leaving on Sunday, um, we passed a, We passed a uh, not a panel, but a, a booth mm. that uh, it was it was advertising an indie comic. I think an indie comic that I had never heard of. But mm. just from the art, the brief, the brief uh, look that I got, I'm like, oh, this is steampunk late 1800s this is like right up my alley um but i and i was able to notate the the title so i looked it up uh as we were driving home and i ordered i ordered the book yesterday uh so yeah i mean again it it is very very crowded and it does get a little it does get a little warm uh but again overall just very very positive and there were still even though like the the big studios weren't there there yeah. were, were still some big properties that were yeah. on the floor yeah 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 and i mean and they and, and even though we're talking about the lack of panels there were some really good panels I yeah mean, i think that you know as as we look at like and we were talking about this on the drive home too as i look at like our our thursday friday saturday um i think each day we had a couple of panels that um even though you didn't have the star power, you didn't you didn't have writers, you didn't have direct. I mean, I'm sorry, you didn't have writers, you didn't have actors there. Uh, I think they did a good job of figuring out. Well, let's drop this episode. Let's mm-hmm. show 20 minutes of this movie. Let's show this exclusive clip. So I think we still came out going, "Oh wow, there's really cool stuff to talk about uh, that we're excited to share with everybody." Because I think we actually did see some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, there was and the a- stuff that. Oh, sorry, Johnny. No, no, no. Go ahead, Shane. Go ahead. I was gonna say, and the stuff that we did see, it did not. It did not replace what we didn't see. These are things that would have been here if if we weren't in the middle of of a writers and an actor strike. Like the the quality of clips, uh, definitely. I mean, it was it was Comic Con standard. The stuff that we got to see was really great. Yeah, just met, met more eyes on it, right? Which I think is a is a positive overall. We had footage from Good Omens, uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover episode was released for people to see there at the panels. And uh, my brother, Yuri Lowenthal, hosted his Spider- the Marvel Spider-Man 2 panel and led it off, you know, talking about the strike, one of the rare panels that actually confronted and talked about the strike. And another, there was a, there was a, uh, it was a, um, a uh, protest there uh, in a positive way, uh, you know, supporting the strikes. I think on Thursday or Friday, there was like 40, 50 people that showed up wearing, and holding the signs there. And then Duncan Crabtree Ireland had a panel adjoining. He joined the voiceover actors panel to talk about AI and talk about the issues going on with the AMPTP and what that was all about. And he likened it to Ursula taking Ariel's. Is it Ariel? It's Ariel. Yeah, you know, Ariel's voice <laughs> in The Little Mermaid. Really? So I'm just, you know, really? uh, they all, they're all, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm a princess blind. So they, they, they do all of that and cover them all and, and talked about all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't just the, the great new footage. And, we, and we're going to talk about that and the trailers that dropped, but it was also a real understanding of what's going on in the, um, in the landscape of entertainment right now, they weren't shying away from it, which I thought was a really cool thing. Cause all of us have been to comic-con multiple years and they usually try to stay away from controversy in those, uh, panels and in the in Hall H and stuff, but the fact that they were willing 
to have these conversations about the strike. And apparently it was a stuffed room uh, and people had to be turned away because people wanted to know. And that speaks volumes about how many people are interested in this kind of stuff because it affects the programs they're going to watch uh, and they're going to enjoy, you know, and certainly we, we saw that uh, there as well. Did you, uh, I'll go back to Shannon. Shannon, what was your favorite part of Hall H? Did you have a favorite panel in Hall H that you enjoyed? I did. It was okay. the uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem panel. Okay. Uh, the director, one, right? Yep. Pardon? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We were both there for that one. And the director came out and had a pre-taped message, yeah. something that had been taped that they specifically stated it was taped before the before the actor strike <laughs> from Seth Rogen and Ice Cube, and because Seth Rogen is the executive producer and is one of the voices, Ice Cube plays the the main villain. Um, and they actually showed us uh, about 20 minutes wow. of the movie. And, you know, Ninja Turtles is one of those things that there's a new version every few years. Yeah. And this one, they Seth Rogen, and I don't know if Evan Goldberg co-wrote it with him or if, if he wrote it. Um, but it seems like they really, they really nailed the teenage part mm. of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Some really talented, fun, fun young voice actors yeah. who are voicing uh, Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael. Jackie Chan as Splinter. Uh, really fun little sequence with him that we got to see. So that was easily my favorite one because I'm not a huge... I'm not a huge Ninja Turtles guy. Like it's right. like when it's good, I like it. If it's bad, I'll skip it. Um, this one will definitely like I'll definitely watch this one. Yeah, they released only about like a 53 second or 35 second scene. So they haven't released uh, extra footage other than that coming out of Comic-Con. Mike, your thoughts on that panel? And was there any other Hall H yeah. panel that you really enjoyed? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you could really tell. I mean, clearly like, they had two moderators. Oh, nice. and then the director and then the director. Okay. So when you have two moderators for one guy, it's pretty clear they had bigger plans for what this panel was going to be. I mean, this was, <laughs> I think this was going to be the let's bring out these kids. Let's yeah. have them be awesome on the panel. Let's show our awesome voice cast. Uh, they, they, you could tell that there was big plans there that mm. just got torpedoed at the last second. And they were like, well, look, we've got this Hall H panel. There's nothing else big in Hall H, really. Uh, this is our moment to shine. And then they were like, well, you know what? We're going to just show them the first 20 minutes of the movie. And you know what? It was a great 20 minutes. Like yeah. as, as excited yeah. as I was for this movie to come out, uh, watching the first 20 minutes got me real amped because it is funnier than you think it's going to be all just in the first 20 minutes, more heart than you think it's going to be. <clears throat> and I think to Shannon's point, the standout thing was these kids. I, they, yeah. they did make a point, And this is clearly probably what they were planning to talk about. Anyway, they made a point of talking about how they recorded all four kids together. And that when, uh, when the director and um, um, when they, when they gave the kids the script, mm. you were like, Oh, this sounds like a bunch of old dudes wrote what teenagers are supposed to sound like coming out of their mouths. It doesn't sound real. So they just let the kids riff. They wow. were just like, hey, guys, we're going to talk about this. How would you say this? What would you do? And so they kind of teed that up before they showed the 20 minutes. And they said, yeah, and then we had a really – we had a real – we think they sound like kids. And then you, you hear the four of them all teasing each other, having fun with each other, the way they're talking to each other when you watch the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they made the right call. Like this yeah. is very, very – it's very different. And what's really great about the Ninja Turtles – Everything about this, about Mutant Mayhem, and again, having seen the first 20 minutes, I'm pretty, I'm relatively sure I'm going to feel this way when I see the rest of the movie, <laughs> is the Ninja Turtles are so beloved, and yeah. we've, even though we've had a lot of versions of them, 
there's a, there's a range of what you do with them. You don't push them too much. And this is a really different take for them. They really, they made a point of saying, we feel like the teenage in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has been underserved. And we yeah. wanted to double down on the teenage. Um, and so they did. It's a big swing. Yeah. The, the personalities are all a little bit different, but boy, it really works. April in context, when you see her and how she meets them really works. Yeah. Uh, Superfly and his band of mutants voiced by every celebrity and it's every action figure you had as a kid if you had those ninja turtles action figures all of it like from top to bottom like i was i was sold on this and then um my other trail my other hall age panel that was my yeah. i thought shannon was going to say this one and i was going to take ninja turtles so i will switch it um <laughs> on friday morning i was gonna go do my own thing do some shopping but shannon was like i'm gonna go see this director's panel in hall age oh yeah directors on and it was uh, yeah directors on directing and it was gareth yes. edwards ta uh talking about um create the creator justin right. simeon talking about haunted mansion and then louis leterrier for fast x kind of coming in last second uh <laughs> as a replacement director and when i tell you that those three maybe were the most entertaining, not the most entertaining people I've seen on a panel this year, yeah. but three of the most entertaining people that I have seen on a panel in a while. <laughs> like I went in cause Shannon was like, I think they're going to show footage. And yeah. it was 11 to 1230 was the panel. Yeah. And at 1140, I go, are they even going to show footage? I mean, I'm not mad if they don't, this is a great panel. He's like, no, no, they're going to show it at the end. Um, just the, the three of them talking about directing, what it's like working on big IP versus working on small original projects, what it's like working for a big company like Disney, uh, just all, all of it from top to bottom. All three of them had so much interesting stuff to say. And the other thing Collider did that I thought was really interesting is hmm. they didn't, they didn't open the floor to questions, but they would be like, Oh, we have a video question for you guys from, uh, from Edgar. And then Edgar Wright would pop up and ask him a question. And so all the video questions were all from other directors asking right. them questions. It was such a well-done panel. And then they showed a nice, a nice, good, solid clip from Haunted Mansion, uh, the scene that takes place in the stretching room, which if you've ridden Haunted Mansion, you yep. know the stretching room. Yeah. Uh, and, and Justin Simeon was talking about how originally in the script, there was like a mention of the stretching room, but it wasn't really a big thing. And he was like, look, we gotta, we gotta do something with this room. And so really made a whole set piece out of it that was a lot of fun. And then uh, Gareth Edwards showed a extended clip Ooh. from the creator that when I tell you that I'm so sold on this movie. It might, maybe I'm wrong and it's going to be horrible, but that clip mm. got me. It was an extended sequence. This movie is not just humans versus AI. It's yeah. way more complicated than that. It's oh. way more gray than that. Um, it's gorgeous. The AI looks amazing. This, the, the, just all of it looked awesome. And so that really was my favorite panel that I thought it was just a very pure directors who clearly love what they do up there talking about what they what they're doing what they would love to do what they dream of doing it was very inspiring to me i was all about it so That's thanks shannon for making me go hey well and if i can add a couple more things about that <laughs> panel because agreed it was it was really really uh really really good um one thing that there there was a little bit of talk about the strike and justin simeon um mm -hmm. kudos to him was very clear he's like i am here contractually yeah. Um, you know, Disney, Disney is paying for me to be here. This is part of my contract, but we fully support the actors and the writers in their in their quest to get a better deal. And I thought that I think that spoke very, very highly 
of his character. And another one of the questions that the moderator had asked was, um, how, like, have you all ever been working on a project and it's gotten close to happening and then it and it doesn't. And he's like, and can you tell us what that project was? And Gareth Evans and Justin oh. Simeon, Justin Simeon especially is like, well, again, <laughs> Disney's paying for me to be here. So, no, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> but then Louis Leterrier comes in and Louis Leterrier was really very, very funny. He's, yeah. he's basically like, he's like, I, I'm a last minute replacement. I will tell you, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had a great story about when he was pitching Fantastic Voyage, the remake of Fantastic oh, Voyage. Yeah that James Cameron was going to be producing. He's like, you know, we, we had designed all these new cameras. We had designed all this technology. He's like, and then when it came time for the pitch at the studio, it's like, Cameron doesn't show up. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm texting him. Like, are, are you, are, are you coming today? Ghosted so he's, he's like, which is literally what Justin Simeon said. He's just like, you got ghost, you got ghosted by the King of the world. <laughs> <laughs> and so afterwards he's like, but, but, and, and his, his French accent was just, was brilliant. He's like, but, but, he had a good excuse. He texted me later. He was like, I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I was in the Marianas Trench. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, how did it go? And then again, Justin Simeon with the zinger was just kind of like, he gave you the trench story. I've heard that story. <laughs> he just didn't want to leave his house. But again, a yeah. really, uh, really, really great panel. And awesome. um, yeah, just again, talking to these craftsmen, how yep. you know they 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 cut their teeth on original projects and now they get to work on these big IP and there's uh there are pitfalls to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I always love those uh, um, surprise panels that you're and surprise. I mean, like you know they're on the schedule, but you don't know if you're going to enjoy them when you're in Hall Age. And so when you have something like this, which I think has replaced women who kick ass because there used to be the women who kick ass. Now well, it's directors on directing, or did I they collider? Well, those collider. those would all be actresses. Right, right, right. So I'm saying, I'm saying, did they do women who kick ass? Well, no, no, because it would be all actresses. No actresses. Oh, well, you couldn't get. Oh, I guess you couldn't get. EW EW traditionally does the women who kick ass panel. Right. So this, this year, EW interviewed, did a one on one with Robert Kirkman that I was at because yeah. uh, our good buddy Patrick Gomez moderated it. Uh, yes. The editor in chief of EW, and so that's what EW did this year. But EW usually does women that kick ass. This was what Collider did. I don't know if they. Hmm. I don't know what Collider has done in the past, but I hope they continue to do this. I think it yeah. was a great panel that they should continue to do. Yeah, I think he. Uh has done this in the past as a panel. I don't remember if it was in Hall H or Ballroom 20 in the past. So, hey, if, if it worked out and it's great and you had three directors talking about their experiences, especially with three directors, with two of them having something to currently plug and one having probably a, the home release to plug of his film with the with Fast 11 coming as well. So it's good people to have in the room for sure. Um, well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to answer your Streamlabs and Super Chats that have come through about Comic-Con. We'll also talk some more of, of the trailers, some more of these announcements. DC with a Watchmen animated movie. What an announcement that they made. We had some Star Trek announcements, some Star Wars stuff. So we'll certainly get into all of that. Uh, so keep the Streamlabs Super Chats coming. And as we go to break for a few seconds... Uh, remember to uh, subscribe to the channel down below and hit a like on this video. And if you're watching it later, leave a comment down below of some of the stuff we talked about here in the first 30 minutes of the show. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back right after this. 
Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture. That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents that's right three months for only 99 cents with the code buddies b-u-d-d-i-e-s simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code buddies to dive into the world of arts like never before bring the arts home with marquee tv get three months for just 99 cents visit marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now use code buddies explore the extensive library of performances on marquee tv today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at marquee tv on social media Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Vogel, do you know? No. I don't know that one. That, that is the theme from the first feature of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. All I remember from that one is T-U-R-T-L-E power. T-U-R-T-L-E power. That's is that Vanilla Ice? Was that from the first one or the second one? That was the first one. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. The, that the second one with... was Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Oh, for the right. whole on a half shell. They're the heroes for in this day and age. Who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with muggings mysterious. All police and detective are furious because they can't find the source of this lethally evil force. This is serious. So give me a quarter. I was a witness. Get me a reporter. Get April O'Neil. To... Okay, I'm not going to do the whole thing, but I could. Wow. Best, best vanilla ice I've heard. In a- <laughs> That's not vanilla ice. He's in the second movie. It's not oh. vanilla ice. Oh, oh, oh. Jesus, Shannon. <laughs> there we go. Rodney P says, if you brought Comic-Con to my city in Las Vegas, no more Hall Age campouts and turnaways. Our convention center is three times bigger than San Diego. FYI. Uh, I'm going to yeah. tell you I'm going to tell you why I don't think it's moving anytime soon. There are yeah. there are a lot of convention centers that are bigger. Sure. Uh, it is it is hard to find a city that does what San Diego does. More welcome. Uh, 
Yeah. But the, not even that it's well, I mean, yes, 100% mm-hmm. that. But so when you go, New York Comic Con is actually bigger than San Diego Comic Con, just as far as the number of people in the Javits Center is just ginormous. Yeah. But when you go to New York Comic Con, you walk out of the Javits Center and you go two blocks in any direction and you don't know that there's a comic book convention happening. Right. You're just right. in New York City. Yep. San Diego, it's the convention center. It's the entire back of the convention center. It's every hotel that is near the convention center. Right. It's every bar and restaurant for like four or five blocks in every direction that the, the entire gas lamp area, uh, gas lamp district just becomes an extension of Comic-Con. I think that's why the city loves it so much because they just get such a boost in revenue. But when you are going to a convention and you walk out of the convention floor and you cross the street and everyone is still in costume, there was, you know, all the Disney did a promotion where the the, half the little bikes with the people that pick you up to drive you around had doom buggies in the back. And some of them had ghosts in it that were hitchhiking, like just every single way that they can kind of turn the entire city into a giant comic book fantasy uh it's gonna be hard they, they're not gonna want to give it up and there's a lot of reasons that uh i think that comic-con will stay there that okay. being said it would be lovely to have it be about twice the size of the current convention center well i also think if you if you put it in a bigger place more people will want to come so i think you'll still have the same problems you know where people more people now that there's more tickets available because a lot of people don't get don't miss out on tickets because they hit that limit so if you made more tickets available, people would still camp out. People would still be Hall H issues, I think. Um, I I would worry about the uh, the geeks that would be hitting the slot machines, trying to trying to hit the jackpot, so they can you know buy, buy the big uh, buy the big replica that they saw on the convention floor. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, and other things. Um, Marissa Stalker says hello to my favorite geek buddies. In all your times, thank you, Melissa. And hello, in all your times going to San Diego Comic Con. Is there a standout memory that the three of you share? Appreciate you all. Oh, good question. The three of us share? I'm going to tell you. Can I say this? I can (laughs) can say this now. The the password? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, am I in trouble in this one? No. No, 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 no. You're not in trouble. And I don't think I can get in trouble for this anymore because I don't think they have it anymore. So I, these guys, I mean, look, we all love Hall H. I love like, but there have been years that I make it into Hall H to see the big panels. There's years that I don't make it into Hall H to see big panels. I entertain myself just fine. I go to a lot of parties. I get very drunk and say things that I shouldn't say to producers of TV shows. It's wonderful. (laughs) But there was one year where these guys did the whole night before, try to get a wristband. We're going to try and do all things. And they didn't do it. They were not going to make it into Hall H. And I, it was, it was Roka, Shannon, and our good buddy, Mike Kalinowski. Yep. I have never seen and it, three and it geeks. was his and it, and it was his first year too. Yes. I have never seen three geeks so sad. Yeah. And they wake up Saturday morning and like it was like it it was the sad Charlie Brown music playing in our hotel room. <laughs> and Shannon goes, "Guys, I think I'm just going to I think I'm just going to drive home. I'm just going to drive home today." I just, there's no reason. That's right. And I was like, guys, and I'm like, guys, come on. We are going to have a day. I'm going to, I'm going to ride with you all day long. I'm not going to hang out with anybody else. We're going to have fun. We're going to do this. We don't even need Hall H. We're going to go do all the activations. We're going to go do the, the little ropes course they got for Assassin's Creed. (laughs) And they're like, okay, I guess, I guess we're okay. So they all start slowly getting ready. And then I get a text message from a friend of mine who I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to get in trouble. And he goes, hey, I just found out that there's a secret password that agents use to get into Hall H. 
<laughs> and I'm like, do you have the password? And he tells me the password. And I say, guys, I think we could go into Hall H. I have never seen three. There was smoke outlines in the shape of the three of them as they all rushed to get ready. And then they were so nervous. And I walk right up and I'm like, hey. And I said the password. And we walked right into Hall H. And I've, I, I made their Comic-Con. It's so true. And we all watched the Marvel panel. And it was amazing. We We... Each got naked quickly, jumped in the shower quickly, jumped out of the shower quickly. Literally, it was like three to five minutes. It was like military shower. Three to five minute showers each, and we were getting ready and route the door and running down there. And we missed the first few minutes of the Warner Brothers panel, which they were showing Mad Max Fury Road. And this was like the second year that they were using the entire screen. And when the side we walked, screens. You know, side screens, yeah. And when we walked in... I remember the trailer was just playing and I was speechless, just speechless watching that. So the fact that we got in, I was just like, man, and we found seats next to each other, which was really a miracle. Uh, <laughs> and then getting to see all of that. So yeah, that was a great, great memory for sure. Um, Shannon, do you have another? <laughs> I mean, I do. I, I yeah. I mean, again, another hall H and I want to say this was going, this was for, this was back during the age of lost and oh, wow. <laughs> we i think it was for it, w- it was after lost season three yeah so as like we are not getting in like the line is closed and it's, just, it's me and vogel and vogel's like eh, let, 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 let me let me try something here and it's just like what are you gonna try the line like, they're not gonna let you in and so vogel goes up and starts sweet talking this this employee who's basically yeah. like oh yeah yeah we had to close the line oh Oh, we froze him and on the fire best part of the story. Get in. It was like, ah, oh, really? What was that? What was that? You froze. froze what minute. was the best part of the story? Oh, did I freeze? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. So Vogel goes up and is sweet talking this, you know, this worker. And she's being, she's being very nice. And she was like, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, a lot of disappointed people. The fire marshal, you know, we can't let anyone in. And let anyone else in. And Vogel's like, oh, boy, that is disappointing. You know, it's like, it's my buddy's first time here. You know, is there, are you sure? There's not two extra seats someplace in there. And the more Vogel pushes, the more I try to retract into the background. Because <laughs> I get very, very uncomfortable yes. in these situations. <laughs> and after about, probably about three minutes, I see her. She gives him a look and she just does. And then he turns around like, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe you just did that. And the, the panel, because Lost Season 3, I think, is, is kind of known. That's when they try to introduce Nikki and Paolo. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh. the, the panel ended up being fantastic. Jorge uh, Garcia? Yeah. Uh, Hur- Hurley uh, was the plant in the crowd. And he was just talking to Damon Lindelof. He's like, yeah, you know, you, you say this season's going to be great. You also said Nikki and Paolo were going to be awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it was just a very, it was a very fun panel. And it would not have happened if not for the excessive charm of one Michael Vogel. Yeah, as we call the Vojo. That's true. You got to use that. JMB says, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't there a Comic-Con where Roka got drunk, went back to the hotel room, and Michael found him sitting on the floor facing a wall? No, what? no. No, no. That was a bachelor party, not Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's for a different geek buddy. Where are you telling these stories? How does JMB know these stories? <laughs> what, who is JMB and how does he know these stories? That's what I want to know um anyway uh, Derek johnson says uh, always love the show guys random geek thought why wasn't the black female pilot in the new jurassic world movie not jeff goldblum's daughter perfect continuity chance missed one day i hope to go to comic-con 
is it worth it? Good question. I don't, I don't know. Did, was that ever addressed? I mean, no, there, listen, that, that wonderful actress mm. did a great job in that movie. Her role is so underwritten and silly and makes yeah. no sense. And that would have so. been something at least. I would have yeah. taken it. Maybe that yeah. would have made some sense. Uh, oh, don't get me started on that one. But yes, Comic-Con is worth it. I mean, look, I think that it's worth it in all the different ways. I think that's what this year kind of teaches us uh, yeah. is that it's it's worth it. You know, two of our stories are getting into big panels. This year, we didn't have to do that. And yeah. we still had an absolute blast. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you can get into the parties, that's always fun. If you're hanging out with your boys, that's always a good time. And then um, pe random people are at parties. So people, if people that you're fans of, if you can get into certain parties... You know, well, sometimes you can uh, run into them and tell them how much you appreciate their work and how much it meant to them. You don't want to overwhelm them, but certainly you can have that quick exchange with somebody, which is always nice uh, to have there. So, yeah, I think it's totally worth it. Plus, if you're a, I think if you're a creator or you have any ideas to become a creator, it is a great place to either network or to learn more about your craft. Listening to people who are successful doing what you want to do. It's a great resource. And, you know, once you buy the ticket or, or if you get in as press, um, it's a wealth of information that you can get uh, being there for sure. And you never know who you might network with and you're at a bar randomly strike up a conversation and that person is high up in the industry. You want to get in. And they, like Michael said, you have a few drinks, start telling some things you shouldn't tell. You never know. It can be pop out of their mouth that can help you in your career. So it's just, it's a fun little place. Well, and Very also Derek, as, as a fan, if you've yeah, never been like, there, it is, if, if this, if this is the stuff that you love, you will absolutely love being surrounded by by like-minded yeah. by like-minded folks and sure. just the amount that gets put into um different characters and different properties it's just it's 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 a adult it's adult disney i mean yeah. it's yeah. a blast uh derek also says uh just donating to donate love the show guys oh, uh, Jay West says uh, comic con should come to my hometown of indianapolis we have the space hotels and hospitality We've had Star Wars celebration and the Super Bowl. I think I think a city. I mean, I think a, a city like Indianapolis is more likely than a city like Vegas if they ever did move. I yeah. think moving it moving it to a city where the entire city is so excited to have the business and right. it, it, that just seems more likely to me. Yeah, and if it if it does relocate to to Indianapolis, perhaps we can do a little day trip to Pawnee. Uh, <laughs> oh. I always wanted to go to Pawnee. You don't got to talk me into that. I, I would love to do that. Uh, John Lee says, thoughts on the Invincible and Gen V trailer. Thought both trailers look good. Also, the Adam Eve episode that dropped was a great appetizer till November. Yeah, both of those trailers dropped. Gentlemen, uh, we will talk about other stuff, but we might as well talk about it now since it's asked. Yeah. Or the Gen V and Invincible trailer. I thought the Invincible trailer looked a lot of fun, um, especially just hearing Peter Cullen's voice. Seeing the wealth of voiceover talent that is going to be a part of this and um, on-camera talent that's doing voiceover for this. Uh, and then ending at the end with J.K. Simmons telling his son he should have died at birth. Woo! Um, and the Gen V trailer looked in. I didn't know what Gen V was. And I was like, oh, should I do a reaction to this? Ah, it doesn't seem like that big a video. Then I watched it in preparation for our conversation. I was like, holy shit, it's connected to the boys? So pretty badass to see the trailer. What do you guys think of these two trailers? 
Yeah, uh, the, you know, the Invincible trailer is great. It was, uh, I didn't see it until I saw the Robert Kirkman panel, mm. which was wonderful. The entire Robert Kirkman panel was, again, just uh, our friend Patrick talking to Robert Kirkman about uh, just the making of Invincible, the entire process behind it. They yeah. talked a lot about uh, what you can do in animation that you couldn't do on the comic book panel page uh, and how they're really telling a very true uh, adaptation of Invincible. They've already recorded the voices for season three, and they have even more big voices to announce than they announced in the season two trailer. Wow. Um, so, yeah, just a ton of stuff coming. If you've read Invincible, you know that this story's not going to go where anybody thinks it's going to go. Yeah. The best part about reading Invincible as it was coming out monthly was – once you get past uh, his dad in Omni-Man being bad, you're like, okay, well, that's what this is. And then it twists again, and then it twists again, and then it twists again, and so many things are coming. And he promised uh, that that it's going to be pretty much that you know, things will get moved around a little bit, just like they did in season one, but that, that we're telling the same story. And so mm. uh, just his excitement about it, his excitement about uh, the Adam Eve episode that drops and just yeah, really yeah. wanting to get that out there. And not just because they wanted to give fans a little something to tide us over until November, although that's definitely a bonus for us, yeah. but that knowing that Adam Eve is a very important character moving forward and some of her origin story is very important. They knew they wanted to get some of that information out before season two. And this was just a really great way to do it. Um, so that was all really exciting. I'm like, John, I didn't realize uh, what, what Gen V was. And then, and there were even like in the gas lamp uh, quarter, they had a giant like multi wall. It was the boys and Gen, Gen V was in the middle. And I was like, oh, is this tied to the boys? And then I watched the trailer. Look, the vibe of the boys of that superhero universe, but in a superhero college is great. Yeah. Like I'm all down. Like I, I think that the, I, th I had this conversation with somebody again because we spent a lot of time in San Diego actually talking about comics this year um, that I think like the boys, the comic is a really interesting comic, <laughs> but I think boys, the TV show is better. It's one of the like sometimes, you know, you get an oh, adaptation like like I think, you know, I think Invincible is mm. I think the animation, I think the animated series of Invincible is as good as the comic. I was a big Walking Dead fan for a long time, but I always thought the comic was better. Yeah. With the boys, from episode one of season one on, I think they sort of distilled what Mark Millar was doing in that comic and kind of made it stronger. Um, so the fact that they're now spinning off that universe and telling all new original stories, I'm super into it. I'm super down. Shannon, your thoughts on these two trailers? Yeah, the Invincible trailer was fun because it was at the Robert. That's when I saw it as well. Was at mm. the was at the Robert Kirkman panel. So cool. that was fun to to listen to him kind of, you know, talk about like what what he has been able to do with especially with the action. Right. Um that, you know, with, when you're dealing with comics, like you're dealing with, you know, still shots and what you are able to do with a shot in motion is you can you can amp it up a little bit. Yeah. Um with the Gen V, so uh in the trailer, there's that statue of Homelander in front of the school, that big bronze statue. Oh, yeah. As you walk into the uh, convention center, like when you when you go to Comic-Con, you get a badge and there's a little code on it. And you there are uh, they look like metal detectors. They're not. Right. Um, but you scan your badge. And so the uh, design, the logos on all the all the scanners this year, it was the statue of Homelander that had been decapitated, like someone oh. just taken it. Had, had just taken it out with some heat rave, uh, some heat vision. Um, so, uh, but but the actual trailer, it's like, yeah, take the boys, 
put him in college. <laughs> I mean, so I think it's, if you like the boys, it seems like you're probably going to like this. Yeah. I looked at that damn image multiple times a day for the past four days. And I did not know what it was until literally you just said that I was, I was this year's old when I found that hey, out. <laughs> I love that. All right, let's keep it going here with these questions from you all. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, John Lee says, Thoughts? Oh, we had that one. Sorry, Chris Taylor says we need a Geek Buddies watch along for the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Ooh, I'm gonna say something right now. Go ahead. That's still one of the top ten comic book adapted adaptation movies of all time. It's great. Okay, I love it. I love it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't know if I can concur, but I'm down. I, we we may work this out. We may work this sure. out. Maybe once a month doing a watch along could be a lot of fun. Um, I can hum. I can hum the theme. Vogel can do the rap. <laughs> done and done. God. Shannon will say it's Vanilla Ice again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll watch the movie it. and realize that rap's in the second movie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I am Two Fly Cam says hello, Geek Buddies. I was curious what you guys thought about MI Seven underperforming as it is. Do you think it's just having to do with Barbenheimer? Also, super random question. But how do you guys feel about Teslas? Is it a good buy for someone looking for an EV? Love the show. Um, all right, I'm Two Fly. You're Are gonna we the some... car guys now? Are we the car guys? Uh, do you, do you, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. It could be an interesting segue, but uh, MI7 underperforming. Um, I don't know. There's a number of reasons. Maybe, although a lot of people loved it, it seemed like there were some people who didn't. And so maybe that affected the box office overall. I think the Tom Cruise stuff is starting to pop up again. Some kind of, um, how can I backlash a little bit towards Tom Cruise I'm seeing, which is weird considering how great Top Gun Maverick was. Um, but yes, Barbenheimer was something that people were looking forward to. And unfortunately, I think uh, Mission Impossible opening one week before ended up kind of um, uh, crashing its abilities because it dropped 62% from the year, from the week before. Uh, and the previous two had only dropped 50%. So it's tough to compete with Barbenheimer when everyone is making a social media mainstream pop culture zeitgeist event out of seeing both those movies in a, in a weekend. Yeah. But man, I got to tell you though, I, I, I think, you know, we, I mean, we, we literally, we talk about this every three weeks and we will mm -hmm. talk about it every three weeks forever because it keeps coming up. But yeah. you know, I just watched, I just finished season one of silo. Yes. With Rebecca Ferguson. She's great. It's a great yeah, show. Great I'm, I'm three episodes in on this Idris Elba hijack show on Apple Plus. Ooh, I heard it's good. You got Gary Oldman on Slow Horses. You got uh, you, you got you got Sarah you got Sarah Jessica Parker and company on and just like that. You've got you've got Star Trek shows with feature level special effects. You got yeah. Star you got Star Trek shows feature level effects. You got Marvel TV shows. We got The Penguin coming out. Like there is so much entertainment on TV that is high level that I think people are just being more choiceful. So yeah, I do think that Barbenheimer kind of on the horizon and people were looking at their schedules and what they're doing over the summer yeah. and what days you're going to the barbecue with your friends and what days you're going to stay home and just kick back and watch TV. You're like, "Well, I know I'm doing Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. And I've got 95 TV shows to watch over here. Yeah. And I think people are just being, and the fact that at this point, the day that a movie comes out, I go on Apple movies and the movie is already up for pre-order because it's coming out in three months. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I could go to the movies and, 
I could pay this much money. I can just pre-order mm -hmm. this uh, for twenty dollars. It's going to be on my TV in about a month and a half to two months. So I just think that all of it contributes, and people will. What we do know from the moment the pandemic ended and people could go into theaters is, yeah, people still will one thousand percent go to the movies yes. when they want to go to the movies. Yeah, yeah. Just you gotta you gotta work harder to get us there. That's why I think all these articles that came out today trying to explain to you why Barbenheimer was so successful are just guesses in the dark. You just never know what's going to be a grassroots capture the attention of people that I, gets people into the theaters. You, They put as much promotion behind The Flash as they put behind Barbie, and it did not do the numbers that Barbie did. So, I'm going to tell you something right yeah, now. Yeah, good. I'm tell them right now, and I and I haven't seen either yet because I was at Comic Con. I'm seeing both this week, and from everything I've heard, yeah, including from my fellow buddy John Rook over here, yes, Oppenheimer's amazing, yes, but is. Oppenheimer owes Barbie some credit because I don't think it would have gotten its opening weekend that it got without. I think that people, I think that Barbie came out and that trailer blew Invalid everyone away, and nobody was expecting it, and mm. it just took on a life of its own. That was not. Warner Brothers marketing. That was not Mattel marketing. That was the internet doing what the internet does. And we all got a real big giggle out of these two movies coming out at the same time. Yeah. And we ran with it and it turned into a thing and you can't plan for it. That is just, that is the definition of something going viral. Yeah. And I think that Barbie was always going to have this massive opening weekend because people were so excited. I mean, we were, I was like, this is now one of my must see movies of the summer. But then once the thing, once those two movies coming out together and people got really excited about this is my weekend, I think that it got, I'd say five to 10 million more in its opening weekend than it mm. would have gotten uh, without Barbie. Yeah, fair point. Shannon, your thoughts on uh, the films and then um, Tesla's? Well, well I'm <laughs> so with with uh, Mission Impossible, like because they only had a week before yeah. Barbenheimer, um, they they did lose the IMAX theaters. They yes. did lose those premium theaters, which went to the newer release. So, I mean, I don't know if that, you know, that obviously that doesn't count for an entire, you know, 62 or 67 percent that it dropped. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why why it it had the drop that it did outside yeah. of Barbenheimer. I mean, again, I can only speak for myself and that I'm not a huge mission impossible fan. And I really like this one. Yeah, I mean, it's, too. it's yeah. live action. It's, it's, I, it's my favorite movie of the summer uh, thus far. And I was looking forward to checking it out again, mm -hmm. but there's some other things that are in the queue ahead of that. Um, and yeah, as Vogel said, the whole, it, it's, it's sort of like uh, the re-release of Morbius going correctly. Um, how the, how the whole, let, you know, it's, it's Morbin time. And then they yeah. released it and it was released. It didn't do anything. Um, but the, the, the coincidental nature of these two movies coming out thinking like, listen, we are counter programming to whatever this is, both of them thinking that, and then both being able to reap the rewards of that, like turning yeah. how many people tried to do both in the same day, which even though it's not opening weekend, I kind of wanted to see if I can do, I, I kind of want to do a Barbenheimer on, on my day off this week. Yeah. Um, as to Tesla's, yes, I got a Tesla back in April and it is a wonderful automobile. Um, it's just super comfy. Uh, the, the, the um, drive, driving it is a little, it's, it's different than driving a normal gas powered vehicle. It, this this is not a selling point uh, that I'm going to say, but it's it drives like almost like a golf cart. How the moment you take your foot off the gas, you you stop. <laughs> um, so it is. You should, be there. you should work. You should work for their marketing company. Yeah, you, you know Tesla, what? I, it drives like a golf cart. <laughs> you know what? I chatted with them. I'm waiting for them to call me back. 
<laughs> but it is it is a wonderful wonderful automobile and like even though i don't have a charging station installed at my home um the uh, tesla superchargers uh get your car charged all the way up in usually in about 40 minutes and while you're waiting if, it, if there's not a grocery store or something you know a coffee shop near you you can pull up on your tesla theater you can pull up disney plus hulu and netflix wow it is wonderful <laughs> do do how much does it cost to power that up compared to filling your tank oh my gosh it's not it's it's night and day um because one it's it's much cheaper and with electricity during like the the charging stations by me i don't know if this is a national thing the charging stations by me the price fluctuates during the day so like if i have to go and and if, if i have an early shift at universal and i need to charge my car i will actually pay a fraction of the cost like i think i I think I had to charge up like 85%. I was, I was down mm. there and at charging at around six in the morning, I got a full charge for about $7, I think. Wow. Um, and there's actually a thing on the app that you can, that it compares like, this is what you, this is what you potentially would have spent in gasoline. This is what you spent in electricity. Um, so Army dad, when you're here saying all that money you spent charging, you could use for gas. You should laugh your own fucking ass off. Cause he just compared $50 to seven. So army learn the lesson. Uh, yeah, but oh, yo, for so long I'm gonna just spend the money. Ooh, army dad, <laughs> What's army you... dad, army dad, and I are gonna LMFAO at the bar that we went to when we had all that extra time while Shannon's still sitting at the charging station for 40 minutes. <laughs> You're not gonna have that much time. Uh, that's it. Well, that's fast. the exchange, right? You're sitting. I drink fast. <laughs> uh, oh. I'm aware. <laughs> so what is yours, Michael? Is it a Tesla now? What do you drive now? It, what, I have an it? Audi. Huh? I have a, I have a, I have a hybrid. Oh. It is electric. I so I can do electric when I like to, and I can do gas when I like to. Boop boop boo. Um. All right. Uh, Jim Fan says I'm rooting for the Marvels, but does anything look new? Tired villain monologue saying you took everything from me, and Captain Marvel saying they are trying to destroy the world again. LOL. Do you all think this will be a hit? What saves it is uh, my concern. Um, gentlemen, yeah, right. well, we should talk about it because the trailer let's did talk. drop. So let's do this, and then we're going to take a break after this conversation and finish up a couple more of the streamlabs and jump into some more stuff from Comic-Con. But, yeah, the Marvel's trailer, it's at 12 million views right now, the Marvel's trailer, which I'm really surprised by because I didn't think it was going to get above 6 or 7 million views. 12 means that there's, st- there's really genuine interest in seeing what this film is. And we've seen some people react negatively to the trailer, but overall it's been a positive thing. So do you guys think it felt tired? Do you guys think it felt uh, kind of boring? What were your thoughts on the, on the new Marvel's trailer? We talked about it uh, in the hotel room. So Shannon, you can start off. It is a really, really well edited trailer. Um, (laughs) Will that translate to a good movie? We don't, we don't know. Will that translate to box office, box office success? Uh, look at the summer. <laughs> I mean, who, who, yeah, you know, who actually knows? But um, watching that trailer, um, I, I got genuinely excited for the movie. I have not, I've never been a big fan of Brie Larson's Carol Danvers, and the trailer's not doing much to convince me uh, to change that opinion. Um, okay. But I did really like seeing Amon Vellani's uh, Kamala Khan and Tiana Paris's uh, uh, Monica Rambeau. 
Okay. And seeing seeing Goose again, I thought that was fun. I, I thought the 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 team up action, the glimpses that we got, mm-hmm. it looks really fun when they're all working together. Like it it looks like it it potentially could be a lot of fun. And you know, the last movie that I saw that Nia Tacosta directed was Candyman. And I'm yeah. not a big I'm not a big horror guy, but I thought that was a really really well done movie. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers that that you know she she nailed this one. Before we move on to Michael, what were your thoughts on Zoe Ashton as the um, as the villain in the film? She is um, uh, Tom Hiddleston's uh, fiance or girlfriend or wife. Uh, so interesting to have two potential MCU villains who are also in the same house. Uh, thoughts on this? Show? I mean, we don't get a ton of her, right. but what what we see of her, I thought I thought looked good. I mean, she okay. she definitely has you know she's got that intense villain face, which I think that's a step in the right direction um if there's a third trailer maybe we'll get a little bit more of what her story is but um no i thought she looked good okay uh michael your thoughts on this and within secret invasion wrapping up this week and it seems like this is an extension of of the show so what are your thoughts on the trailer that we got i want it to be good I I said to Shannon, I do think it's a good trailer. Like it's a yes. good trailer. It's really well cut. Like it's good music. Like all of it's really good. Uh, I'm a huge Miss Marvel fan, and I th- I'm a huge Amon Valani fan. So seeing her make the jump to the big screen, I'm very excited about. I thought Tiana Paris was one of the best parts of Wandavision, and there's a lot that's really good in Wandavision. And so seeing her character move forward, I'm excited about Brie Larson. I. I've, I've, I've never quite thought that Brie Larson was like the, the Carol Danvers of the comic that I love, but I don't know that it's a hundred. I thought this in the movie, I was watching the trailer again. And I, I think Marvel's Marvel made a couple decisions that don't do Brie Larson any favors. Like Carol Danvers in the Marvel cinematic universe, her entire character comes down to, sorry guys, I'm too busy. Gotta go save people off screen. Right. And as an audience, when we've spent, you know, she's at this point, she's been in, this will be, she was in Captain Marvel. She was in Endgame, mm. and, uh, not really in Miss Marvel, a cameo at the end. And then she's in this, but like three movies in, it's like, she, she spends so much, there, there's so much time spent talking about Carol Danvers isn't around mm-hmm. in WandaVision. It seems that Teona Paris, uh, Monica Rambeau has some issues. Yeah. With Carol Danvers not being around, it's yeah. brought up so often that Carol Danvers is not around. Um, and I think that we just haven't gotten the time for Brie Larson to be anything. There's a lot of characters in the Marvel Universe that don't, you know, like I, I think Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch is she's like an awesome Wanda. She's not Wanda from the comics, no. but she's really made it her own. And I just don't think Brie Larson has had enough screen time to really do that for us. So is this movie the one that does it? I, I want it to. I think Nia DaCosta is a really great director. I'm excited to see what she does with the movie. Right. I think the team-up aspect could be really, really fun. As far as the villain goes, look, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the best movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, True. and Ronan the Accuser is pretty boring. So <laughs> at this point where I'm at with the Marvel movies, if we get a movie where the three of them are awesome and we get awesome comedy and it's fun and it's a rollicking adventure and we have a villain who's kind of boring. We get another, we get another accuser who's yeah, like, uh, I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. Well, 
And it was also brought up in the chat uh, about the bangle that the villain wears. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the matching bangle to Miss Marvel. So this, this, you know, for us, it's not going to be an issue. I imagine yeah. for most of the folks in the chat, it's not going to be an issue. But it might be, if you haven't seen Miss Marvel, it seems like there, there is a connection there. Who knows how vital it is to the plot and what's going on? Right. Um, if you if you need to, you know, go through that whole series. Mar- but Miss Marvel's a great show. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean that 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 does have that that does have that connection right. outside of Kamala. Well, and the bangle is so you, yeah. Th- we see the bangle that's tied uh-huh. to Kamala's bangle. The bangle is tied to potentially the Kree and the Ten Rings. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe this is going to give us some bigger answers on some of the questions we've had as well. So there's that's that to look out for as well. Yeah, there's three things involved with this one. Um, uh, the first is that uh, Iman Vellani, um, along with uh, Sabir Pizzada, are reintroducing Ms. Marvel because she apparently died in one of the Spider-Man uh, issues and they are making her a mutant. So they are aligning it up with the MCU that she's not an inhuman, she's a mutant. So uh, the first trailer for that was uh, dropped about three or four days ago. It's a motion trailer, which is a really interesting trailer to show the comic with, which I appreciated. The Direct, uh, which is a, 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 a account I follow on Twitter, they're revealing that the, that, Ms., that the Marvels is going to be a sequel to five MCU projects. WandaVision, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, Ms. Marvel, and Secret Invasion uh, being a part of all of these things. So that's something uh, to look at as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out if it's going to be enough and are people going to enjoy it um, in, in the long run. So uh, we shall see. We shall see uh, for sure. Um, uh, Vogel, you stand accused. There you go. Yeah, take that uh, pipe and smoke it. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into some more of your questions and then uh, some more of our Comic-Con experiences uh, right after this. Comic-Con. Comic-Con. What? <laughs> All right. I, I was watching an episode of Super Powered, which our good friend Jonathan Gambay yes. uh, is, is one of the executive producers on. And there was a Wonder Woman section. So I've had the Wonder Woman theme music in my head for, for a minute there. That's so great. that's great. I love that. That's great. There's that. All right. Jim Fans is also with Blue Beetle looking to be DOA and Aquaman 2 shaping up to be a turd in the wind. Will DC Films be able to withstand any more losses to even make it to Superman Legacy? Thanks for all that y'all do. Yeah, let's let's. Uh, Wouldn't it be a turd this... in the water? <laughs> well, oh, that's a good point. Let's uh, <laughs> a baby Ruth there from Caddyshack. Let's let's move into this section <laughs> and have this conversation about Aquaman two because it came out a few days ago and, and we talked about it a little bit on the hot mic that a third round of reshoots was had for Aquaman two. Peter Safran and James Gunn were apparently intimately involved in these reshoots. They were scheduled for five days. Uh, James Wan was so excited and everything went so well that they, they came out that he finished the reshoots in four days, a day early. Um, and now comes the rumor or the, 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 the stuff that's being floated because of the strike that they're going to push this film yet again into 2024 sometime as opposed to December of this year. And I just said on the show that they should just fucking release this thing and be done with it. What do you all think? I mean, they, they, they shelved Batgirl and took a insurance write down on this. There's all kinds of rumors saying that Aquaman two is terrible from people who've seen it. Um, and the reshoots four days of reshoots are going to save a movie. I don't know. 
Um, what do you guys think about this and what's going on with Aquaman 2? What should Warner Brothers and DC do with Aquaman 2 at this point, knowing what it feels like that they're not continuing with Momoa as Aquaman? Um, well, I mean, I don't because I, I think they delayed they did delay Dune part two as well, right? They're talking about it. And Color Purple okay. is the rumor as well. Those three are the rumored right now. They haven't officially said, but they are the rumors. They are considering pushing all three of those. Well, I mean, I think the, the main reason is, again, a result of of the actor strike because right, the actors yeah. can't go out and promote. Mm-hmm. So. If like I, I don't think it's it's to a point where like hey we don't have anything to release we better push some of the stuff that we you know that we do have further into the year I don't think it's that um, I, I don't think we're we're not there yet like eventually if it if this continues like they will get to that point yeah um, but I think it's more just the fact that they they saw what the lack what the lack of promotion can have an effect on on your film and especially i think it's more probably for dune you know following you know the the sequel to you know an academy academy award nominated film like you know they they want they want to get the word on it out as much as possible and the people that do sell those really well are the people that are in it um uh so that's kind of my guess in terms of the reshoots man like three times <laughs> three so times and and like again i read the same article where it's like yeah. you know the last the last round of reshoots which was scheduled for five days but they went so well they did it in four right. um i think that might be that might be very um optimistic thinking um because at this point it's like what what haven't what haven't you gotten yet considering that again this is the end of that this is the end of the the current DC, you know, film universe as we know it. I'm not sure. I mean, but I, I like with Blue Beetle, it's it's kind of a shame because I thought I thought it looked like it, it was going to be charming. Um, word on the street is it isn't. But it's but it's it's a shame. But as far as like just dumping more money into a movie that is potentially going to be, you know, a bit a, a big old stinker. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's business thinking that I don't understand. Mike. I mean, look, first of all, Aquaman one is a bad movie and it made a bajillion dollars. So just because everyone is saying Aquaman two is bad. Doesn't mean it's not going to make money. Good points. I, I, Aquaman one is a tough one to sit through and, uh, and it just made all kinds of banks. So on the one hand, especially after like losing your money on your, you know, like flash is just such a big flop for them. As Shannon said, I have I I had high hopes for Blue Beetle. I still hope I really enjoy it. I really hope I just like Jaime, but and that he can hopefully carry on into the DC new DC universe. But I too have heard that it's maybe not the greatest. Uh, so a maybe they're just like, look, let's make this as good as we can make it because this is our chance to make some uh, make some real money based on the first one's performance. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and again, I don't know about this or not. But I don't know what the nature of these reshoots are, but if Gunn and Saffron are really in there, you know, is this just like, hey, here's some notes to make your movie better? Or is Momoa not out for the count? Is Aquaman making it into the new universe? Like, I I think even the most hardcore DC fan at this point kind of just wants a clean reboot and let's just start fresh. But... If they're going in and trying to make some kind of, well, if we do this in the last 10 minutes of the movie, then it means we can keep him. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they should, but I can see that thinking. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I, you know, Jeff countered the other day, like, well, they're, they're trying to recoup their production costs, at least, even if the film bombs, maybe they can get some of their money back in the Aquaman thing. And didn't it come out like the flash was actually 300 million or something like that. It was that they just got the numbers for that. So it just seems for a studio that's crying about not having money for anything. They certainly are willing to spend a lot of extra money to possibly lose more money. So it just seems to be a bad business plan all around. And I think people care because when Aquaman one came out, there was still this feeling that DC was maybe turning the corner, right? They were Mm -hmm. like feeling that way. Like there was some positive stuff. There's been no positive stuff around DC theatrically for quite some time. And it just feels like, uh, uh, aside from the anticipation for Superman legacy, it just doesn't feel like it's the smart move in any way, shape or form to push this one yet again, just because you think, you know, Momoa is going to get people in, in the theater, which I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, But Michael, I take your point. Like no one expected Aquaman to make a billion dollars and it did. So who knows? Who knows? Um, all right. Well, we've, uh, let's see uh, what else we've got here on the stream last year. Doug Developer says, uh, isn't it amazing that two of the wokest me- movies by their idiotic definition will also be the two highest grossing films of the summer, Barbie and Across the Spider-Verse? Their tears are so delicious. Um, yeah, I, Doug, you're absolutely people right. Get, Mike, people getting mad about Barbie is is the, uh, the, the online snack I didn't know I needed. <laughs> But boy, I haven't even seen the movie yet. And I like scroll through Twitter and see people getting so mad about it. And I'm like, well, this is delicious. Yeah, this is delicious. <laughs> well, it destroys their narrative, right? I mean, certain people who believe that way. And there are people from across the spectrum who believe this way of the go woke, go broke. Even some of the left, some of the progressives have started to complain about progressiveness and about gender or identity politics and all that nonsense. And so you're seeing these people complain about this stuff. Barbie destroys the narrative completely. Across the Spider-Verse Part 2 snapped it. Barbie crushed it. And so this is what makes them angry, that something does come. There is an example that they can be countered with every single time they spit that ridiculous phrase out through Barbie because no one expected it. It even blew up past its expectations uh, this uh, this week, and I would even argue that Oppenheimer is a woke movie. The man sympathized with communists, and it is a big part of the movie. Okay, so it's a very interesting thing to have a leftist guy who's the lead of Oppenheimer and Barbie at the same time killing it at the box office, essentially pushing back on this narrative about go woke, go broke. So. Shannon, your thoughts on on, on this, uh, the tears uh, and what have you. I mean, I'd read the Barbie stuff. Was there stuff, were people bitching about Across the Spider-Verse? Oh, yeah. Like, were, were there? Oh, yeah. A black Spider-Man? That's been going on since Miles has been around. So every wow. time anything Miles Morales connected pops up, people pop up with that shit. Yeah, of course. I, 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 so I didn't actually know that. <laughs> and so it clearly didn't have, uh, clearly didn't have an issue on its box office. And... Look, I mean, again, I can't speak to Barbie because I haven't seen it, but <laughs> the fact that people are getting mad about this movie, yeah. about you know, about the, the uh, Barbie dolls, um, is just like really, there's not something more important. That you I'm not going to name the person. I'm not going to name the person, but the person did a 43 minute video about his anger about Barbie, and led it off by setting Barbie and Ken dolls 
on fire in a barbecue. <laughs> like, and this is a middle-aged man who is doing Why? this. So anyway. I think what it really proves, I mean, look, and this is the truth of it. We talk about this stuff all the time. And look, if you are listening, you're probably someone who's online a lot. And we all get really like, you know, well, well, there's the, there's the conservatives, there's the progressives, there's this big fight and people are going to the movies to support this, or they're not going to the movies because they're not supporting this guys. 80% of the people in this country don't actually care. And they just want to go to a movie and have fun. (laughs) No, you're right. Like they are like, I worked all week. The kids are driving me crazy. I got to do this. We got to go to my husband's mother's house on Saturday night because she always has people over to like make her brisket and her brisket tastes like shit. And I have Sunday open to go to the movies and I don't care what everyone on Twitter is saying. I just want to go to something that's going to be fun or interesting or move me emotionally. And that's all they want. Uh, it's X now, so put it in your mouth. Uh, oh, take Twitter I f- out of your don't mouth. get me fucking started. <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet today that Professor X was changing his name to Professor Tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Haunted underscore Autumn. You said it. I didn't. You said the name. I didn't. So I'm gonna let that let that be. Um, and uh, Fred, uh, what is it? Uh, Fantastic says, "Hey, Geek Buddies, thanks for the live episode. Could Barry in the Big City ever make a Comic Con?" Or possibly a Geek Buddies live episode, gentlemen. Well, they're four minutes short, so we could do a watch along real, real easy. Uh, <laughs> no, they could. Well, you know, so we didn't have a Barry in the Big City panel, but mm-hmm. uh, one of the reasons I was asked to be on Prism's panel about uh, LGBTQ representation in yeah. animation for young kids is that Barry in the Big City has been nominated for GLAAD Awards uh, twice. Um, once for in season one, um, because Lime Chiffon has two dads, and we have a lot of really positive uh portrayals of people, men, boys and girls, men and women of all gender types, um, and all gender identifying types. And then in season two, because I believe I can say with distinction that I am the first person to put a transberry in strawberry shortcake, um, supermodel Banafi. So, yeah, so we didn't get to do a Barry in the Big City panel, but I did get to talk a good bit about Barry in the Big City on Prism's panel, which was really a lot of fun. And a couple people came up afterwards. Obviously, a lot of big Pony fans out there, but a lot of people that were also fans of Barry in the Big City, which was really nice to see at Comic-Con. I'll tell you this. After being at this Comic-Con, I have a crazy idea to have a Geek Buddies, a live Geek Buddies show at one of the panels at Comic-Con, to have our own panel at Comic-Con. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen, but I spoke it into the universe on this show. And hopefully by next year, the Geek Buddies could have our own panel at Comic-Con, which would be a lot of fun. We could definitely fill a room for fuck's sake. I'm just letting you know. Maybe <laughs> I mean, not Hall H, but we could fill like a, a room. Like a hotel room. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We could do it. Hall H, baby. Bring it on. <laughs> Don't be crazy. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Derek Johnson says, uh, slather me in MCU. Uh, it's a five-star restaurant that every now and then gives slip-ups on the meal. Uh, the DCU or the DCU is the food truck with the bad inspection rating. You may get a decent meal of food poisoning. I'm ready for the marbles. Okay. I mean. Oh, boy, Derek. That's a good. Uh, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> Yes. Uh, the MCU is uh, is a five-star restaurant three years ago that we all keep going to because we remember we had some really good meals, but the meals have not been great lately. I got a lot of indigestion. Like, I had a couple <laughs> nights where I came home and the stomach was not right. 
Uh, DC. Is it a DCU? DCU is a DCU is that is that place you go and like you don't really like it, but every but you keep going back because it's just good enough. And then every once in a while they serve you like something, and you're like, that was fucking delicious. More of that. And they're like, we got you. And then you come back, you're like, nope, that wasn't it. The irony See, is, their... I think. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Johnny. Go ahead. I was gonna say the irony is their food truck. DC's food truck is fantastic. The animated films, the, the DC's food truck is great. It's the restaurant that's the problem. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say the MCU is that restaurant that you love to go to. And then they opened a second location over on Disney Plus <laughs> Avenue. And now the, the main chef is having to go back and forth. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what, what, did you, what did you do with the Brussels sprouts? What did yeah. you do with the buffalo so cauliflower? Uh, um, DC food truck. I mean, I would love to. I would love to see a legit DC food truck. Well, why? Why isn't that happening? Speaking of yet? Uh, speaking yeah. of the DC animated food trucks, so we got an animated Watchmen movie coming, and we have an yes. animated Crisis on Infinite Earths movie coming, right? Yes, we do. Are you trying to make a segue? Go ahead. I'm man. just saying I'm excited about those things. Like I, I'm just saying, and also like I mean, if you haven't watched, I know it's on HBO. It's on Max right now, but. Um, the Super Sons yeah. animated movie they made is delightful and a really wow. different animated style than what they've done. And I think just a perfect portrayal of Jonathan Kent and Damien. So, yeah, look, if you're a DC fan, there's a lot to crow about. I uh, I just picked up some DC comics at Comic-Con. I'm ready to dive back in. I've been off of them for a while, but I've been told by a lot of people, mostly Mike Kalinowski, that it's really good and I should check it out. So I'm going to dive back in there. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, DC and comics and animation... And, you know, you got you, you might not you go up to that satellite restaurant run by Matt Reeves and uh, that food's great. It's a little dark, but it's good. Yeah, it's good. food. Yeah. <laughs> There's water on the floor. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable with some of the staff. Uh, Derek Johnson also says, how can we say Blue Beetle from Warner Brothers? There's no promotion with the strike and the outlook is rough. If it bombs, I doubt they'll get a bite at the apple again. And that is depressing. WB can kiss it. Messed up my favorite character, the Flash. Derek, Derek, <laughs> Derek you got you got strong opinions, and that's why we love you on the show. It's true. Yeah. I listen, and I don't know, I don't know how I'm gonna feel about Blue Beetle, but I love the character Blue Beetle. I love yes. Jaime Reyes. Yeah. I love the bigger world of the Reach. I think that where that scarab comes from and what it ties into in a bigger space sense, I think is something that we haven't seen in movies that could be so huge for yeah. the DC universe on film. Like I, I, even if that movie bombs, I kind of want him to give Blue Beetle another bite at the apple. I really think you got to It's, it's like he is, he could be DC Spider-Man if they do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Ag agreed. And it's ahead, also, yeah. you know, when you look, when you look at the flash and the flash underperforming to the degree that it did, that is not the character that that is the situation that was surrounding the character yeah. um, with, with this movie and how it, it kept having to be um, remade uh, with like, how are we doing this with the ending? I think the movie, as much as I was not a fan of Ezra Miller's portrayal of Barry Allen, um, uh, I, the, the greater, the extenuating circumstances that surround it with, you know, a change in management, is what ultimately sank that movie. I, I think we will see the flash. We will see the flash. And I, and I imagine we will see Jaime Reyes again on the big screen, but just maybe not, maybe not for a minute. Fair enough. Tanya Tyler says, uh, supporting the geek buddies. You guys are great. Oh, thank you, Tanya. Very kind of you. One last one from Derek. Um, hey Mike, maybe a little change in menu. Slight indigestion is better than food poisoning. <laughs> LOL. Okay. John. Yeah. The DC animated is way better. Yeah. <laughs> <Food poisoning. laughs> 
I like that. Um, well, let's move on to this other thing that I think is really fantastic. You know, with Triple R um, kind of blowing up last year and people getting on board with Triple R and wanting it to be nominated for the Academy Awards for so many reasons, so many people were upset that it wasn't. We've really seen the explosion of Indian content, Indian programming um, on our shores and on these streaming services. And certainly with the strike happening, a lot of these articles were pointing out how these co- this content that is from overseas might start to become something that's a little more front and center on American shores because uh, there's a possibility that these shows won't be going into production anytime soon. So we won't see them until next year, but there's a lot of content there. So this year at Hall H, um, this was the first time that Indian cinema and Indian video games um, uh, made a Hall H debut. There was a Project K. There was a trailer that was released for Project K, the sci-fi epic. It's called Kalki 2898 AD. That was the first Indian film to appear at Comic-Con at all with writer-director Nag Ashwin joined by the all-star cast of Prabhas Kamal Hassan at Amitabha Bak- oh, Bakchan. I hope I'm saying that right, y'all. And they were there over Zoom. The filmmaker said it was a dream to be there. It was an opportunity to bring our stories to the kind of audience that would appreciate these kinds of stories because they're used to and exposed to many different cultures. Yeah, let's have the Indian culture also represented here. They didn't want to reveal too much about the movie. Uh, and so the Indian, this was the first Indian movie that was there in Hall H. And I was talking about video games, video games not Indian video games, but video games themselves there at Hall H with uh, Spider-Man 2, obviously, and Yuri leading that panel. But pretty impressive. I saw the trailer for this. It looks interesting. Um, and it might be a new cinema that some of us uh, will dive into here uh, looking at it. What did you guys think of the fact that this was debuting at uh, in Hall H, an Indian film here, and then the trailer itself, which looked like it had androids? It was really interesting. What did you guys think? I mean, I think anytime, like, uh, again, the big studios and the big network stuff not coming, um, they were able to shine, you know, uh, smaller projects uh, or at least uh, lesser known projects to American audiences, you know, got a spotlight shined on them. I mean, if, you know, God knows I don't want to go back to the pandemic, but does, does Squid Game have the splash that it did if it didn't come out during the pandemic? I mean, so many people got fell in love with that show and just with the the imports of like korean and japanese horror um yeah i think anytime uh, anytime a a a country's uh film industry can be can can have a bigger spotlight on it i think that is only that is only a win for audiences everywhere yeah yeah what are your thoughts there uh, mike yeah i mean look triple r is wild yeah Triple R is wild. It is, and but what I appreciate the most about it is the same thing that I appreciate uh, when my friends sit me down and make me watch like their favorite anime series. Is I, I grew up, I grew up in Hollywood. I mean, well, I grew up as a Hollywood kid. I grew up in Gainesville, Florida, not Hollywood. But I grew the up Hollywood, as a Hollywood of Florida. Kid. Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood's there is a Hollywood Hollywood's, Hollywood's shitty backyard in Florida. Um, no, I grew up in as a kid who grew up on Hollywood movies. I grew up on Spielberg. I grew up on Amblin movies. I grew up on Disney. Like I grew up on a very specific kind of storytelling. And that's the way that I like to tell stories. Like when I sit in a room with people, when we're in a writer's room and we're breaking story, like I have a, this is how a story is set up. This is how you do this. This is how you do this. You do this. Anime does not abide by those rules. Triple R does not abide by those rules. Triple R has a man wrestling a tiger in the first second. And then the next second they're doing like a big giant musical number. And I can't even keep up with what's going on. And I loved it. Yeah. 
Uh, and the fact that around the globe there are so many amazing storytellers that tell stories in a way that's completely different. Miyazaki movies are not Disney movies. You get to the end of the movie sometimes, you're like, wait, what happened? Like, how did this go? And I think exposing ourselves to all of that is great. And I think also we talk so much about Hollywood's bloated budgets and movie franchises that have lost their way. And the best thing that will make Hollywood get on track real, real fast is to give them some serious competition. If we all start watching a lot more stuff from an internet, from an international audience, a lot more of those great, uh, the Asian horror movies that Shannon was talking Mm. about these big action movies out of India, like, and we, and they start getting more and more and more exposure. It doesn't mean Hollywood shrinks and goes away. It means Hollywood has to step their fucking game up. Okay. It's a strong statement, Mike. Uh, Yeah. I like that. More competition should breed better product for the consumer always. Uh, So that's a good, good point there for sure. Uh, let me see if we got any more Streamlabs super chats. All right, let's keep going here. Um, the labor stuff. All right, well, let's um, let's look at these trailers, uh, gentlemen. Uh, we got a list of trailers that rolled through our worlds here, and quite a number of uh, of uh, trailers rolled through, and we got to see some stuff. Uh, we got to see that Invincible trailer. We got to see um, uh, some more. We got to see a Rick and Morty anime trailer, which was really interesting. Um, we got to see some uh, some stuff from uh, Fiona and Cake. So an extension of Adventure Time, the Harley Quinn season four trailer dropped as well. Tiny Toons Luniversity was a part of this. And then a five minute Star Trek Discovery season five trailer, which was pretty badass. It may have talked me back into watching Discovery this year. So, gentlemen, which of these trailers uh, stood out to you all? Um, Because we also had... Uh, uh, some more for Star Wars Outlaws. So we had a the preview for Strange New Worlds, the musical episode. Daryl Dixon fighting zombies in Paris, uh, and then a quick teaser for the Continental, which was uh, which is coming out on Peacock and One Piece coming out from Netflix. So a lot of trailers, if not a lot of people there to promote them. So what did you all think about any of these trailers? What stood out to you guys? Well, I can actually tell you, I the Continental is the one panel that I was in that they had to take out the attendance clicker because it looked like they were going to run out of room. So wow. they actually showed us three scenes um, from the film. And okay. also Albert Hughes, as a director, like he was just, he was a really great guy to listen to. And he also emphasized the importance of what's going on with the actors and the writers right now. And I forget the gentleman's name, but they had a specific, uh, like he, it was like stunt, coordinator plus he was the action director and listening to all uh all of those folks on that panel talk um you could tell albert hughes had a really great relationship with his editor Mm -hmm. and uh you know an editor can be for like you know you know the the normal viewer editor's kind of a forgotten position and albert hughes just went on and on about how amazing this guy is and how great his work is and so you just see just the love fest that was on the panel. Then they showed us some scenes where guys are kicking the shit out of each other. So, <laughs> but, you know, it's the, you know, it's the uh, Ian McShane character, um, yeah. his introduction. I, I'm assuming it's his introduction to the Continental. And uh, yeah, the the scenes were really good. I mean, there was only one big action scene. Um, yeah. But the way that they are moving the camera, I mean, because TV budget is is going to be different than your than your John Wick budget. I mean, even like John Wick is not like a, you know, that's not a high budget for an action movie. Um, but you see what they are able to accomplish. And it seems like they made the transition to TV 
really, really well because they had their their obligatory staircase fight. And the way yeah. they moved that camera was not something I've seen a lot before. So it looks like the Continental, at least from an action standpoint, is is going to be pretty good. And the gentleman that they have playing, young Winston, yeah. the way he is able to match uh, Ian McShane's inflections and cadence is very impressive. Wow. Um, okay, Mike, any of these trailers uh, that you wanted to talk about, discuss, that stood out to you? Yeah, I was actually outside at the Adult Swim uh, lawn mm. uh, when they did when they showed the Rick and Morty anime trailer, and people were really going crazy for that. It looks yeah. completely bananas. Uh, following that, I got to sit and watch uh, Gendy Tartakovsky came out and did uh, one of his the first episode of uh, Warrior Unicorn Unicorn Warriors Eternal, and mm. then a medley of Samurai Jack and Primal with a full orchestra. Wow. So that was actually one of my highlights of Comic-Con as well. So Adult Swim with the Rick and Morty stuff, getting Tartakovsky stuff. Like Adult Swim had a really, really strong presence this year at Comic-Con just outside in, the, in Comic-Con's backyard. Mm. Um, so that was really, really great. Um, Discovery is a great, great clip. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's time for Discovery to end, but it okay. looks like it's going out with a bang. But I got to say, I think as far as Star Trek goes, yeah. Um, our another good buddy on the show, Scott Mance, hosted in Hall H the Star Trek panel. And yes. instead of having the cast there, they just went ahead and showed the entire Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover episode. Yeah. And I think it might be one of the best episodes of Star Trek I've ever seen in my life. I was dying. It's so funny. It's so good. Um, starting Strange New Worlds in the animated world of Lower Decks and then jumping over... It was wild. It is a highlight in a, in, a, in a season two that is filled with highlights. If you're listening to John and I's reviews, yeah. aside from the first episode, we've been pretty big on Strange New Worlds. And uh, that combined with the clip of this musical episode that's coming, I mean, they are just going for it. They're swinging for the fences. They are getting sci-fi weird. Uh, and I'm here for it. Yeah. And then on the other end of things, it looks like Star Trek Discovery is just going full action movie. Again, to my point earlier... Why I got to go see Star Trek on the big screen when I got all of this happening on Paramount Plus. Um, yeah, yeah. That combined with the Lower Deck Season 4 trailer was great. Harley Quinn Season 4 trailer was great. Hmm. Tiny Toons University. We'll see. <laughs> What's going on there? It was about a minute and 10 seconds. It was the well, entire song. It's the opening title. There's a... I didn't see Montana Max... I didn't, I don't think I saw, maybe I saw Dizzy Devil for a minute, and I didn't see Elmira. And I really think Elmira is one of the funniest parts of Tiny Toons, and I was a little concerned about that. I don't know, man. It's, there's been a lot of times where these shows come out, like, I know a lot of people really loved Animaniacs episodes on Hulu. I felt that the Animaniacs episodes didn't quite live up to the original Animaniacs, and Tiny Toons is like one of the crown jewels in my 90s animation crown. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I really wanted to work and watching the, watching the main titles. I was a little concerned. (laughs) Okay. Fair point. Um, all right, well, let's take a quick break. We're at the half hour mark again, and then we'll get into uh, some final stream lab super chats and maybe some final thoughts of Comic-Con, uh, here as we wrap up. And as we're going to the break, we have 300 of you watching us right now. Please remember to subscribe to the channel down below and hit that bell button. If you're watching uh, later, leave a comment after you subscribe. Um, and for those of you who are interested, I dropped my Oppenheimer spoiler review today, which is on the channel. It's about 27 minutes. Uh, I cut it down from an hour 
But uh, I just went in and talked a lot extensively about why I enjoyed the movie. So for any of you who've seen it, you can see that as well. Uh, and Mike and I, speaking of Star Trek Stranger Worlds, we, were, we are planning to have a review of the last two episodes up tomorrow on the channel as well for you all who've been enjoying our uh, breakdowns of Star Trek Strange New World. So we'll be right back right after this. Uh oh. Started too high. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the mystery is solved. William Shatner canceled at the last minute his appearance at Hall H. Uh, I remember that was a conversation we were having. Like he's not showing up. Uh, it was not X'd out in the program or grayed out. So apparently it was at the last minute to show solidarity with the strikers and writers. Um, uh, so that was surprising because Jamie Lee Curtis was there uh, promoting her comic book. Uh, and uh, Kevin Smith, I think, was there. And mm -hmm. um, Tom Arnold got a, a, a waiver to promote what he was promoting. So it was surprising. <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, it's level, just surprising that Shatner canceled his because I don't know what he would have been promoting that would have put it in danger of anything. So I don't know. Maybe he was stuck in the Marianas Trench as well, possibly. Situation. So, <laughs> Jim, I got to get out of here. <laughs> what? There's a strike. <laughs> Somebody get my car. <laughs> uh, Derek Johnson says again, hey, Mike, maybe a little change in the menu. Oh, we already saw that no, one. Sorry. Haunted underscore Adam says, out, Autumn says, out of context, keep going to Geek Buddies quotes that make me laugh. Her brisket sucks. Mike Vogel. Just wanted to throw Listen, in a little support. Much love. I try and really paint a picture. I try and really paint a picture in my stories. I want to give you the details. You know, someone out there is just like eating somebody's brisket and they're like, all I want to do is go see Barbie. Oh, yeah. Eat somebody's brisket. Now I really want is some that a brisket. new term. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, another one of the big announcements that happened uh, were on the uh, comic book side of things on Marvel and DC. Uh, apparently, The Punisher is getting. Um, a uh, new comic featuring a brand new character uh, in the role. And that's coming from David Prepos and Dave Watcher. It'll follow former shield agent, Joe Garrison, as he becomes the Punisher and continues Frank Castle's violent legacy. Um, and that is supposed to be connected up with uh, Marvel's gang war, which is the new crossover event for Marvel, which begins in the pages of amazing Spider-Man number 37. Uh, the new story is going to focus on Miles Morales, Luke Cage, Spider-Woman, Shang-Chi, uh, under the Gang Wars banner. Uh, on the X-Men side of things, X-Men Blue Origins is coming. That'll feature the Uncanny Spider-Man, uh, also known as the Nightcrawler, joined by a shape-shifting Mother Mystique. Um, and then uh, we're going to have something called Timeless, which is a one-shot from Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzig and Juan Cabal, which will focus on Marvel's future and introduce older versions of Power Man, Century, Iron Fist, and the Immortal Iron uh, Moon Knight. Daredevil Black Armor is coming, which is a miniseries. Featuring the return of Daredevil's Black Armor from the 90s. Um, and uh, on the digital side, Marvel announced new storylines for Marvel Meow, Love Unlimited, Avengers Unlimited, X-Men Unlimited, and uh, Marvel Voices Nightshade. And on the DC side of things, the MonsterVerse is coming, uh, revealing that Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong from Brian Bucaletto and Christian Duce or Deuce and Luis Guerrero are coming here, where they will fire the fire fight the MonsterVerse. Neo Before Zod is a comic as well from Joe Casey and Dan McCade um, uh, that is uh, explore Zod's whereabouts before the destruction of uh, Krypton uh, there as well. Amazon Attacks will be a new thing coming to DC 
as well that features um, the characters from the world of Wonder Woman, including Yara Floor, Wonder Girl, slash Wonder Girl, uh, Ram V, Dustin Nguyen, and Jason Scott Alexander will spin a four-issue Detective Comics outlaw storyline starring the dark, putting the Dark Knight in a Western-inspired world. Well, fuck that. I'm signing up for that immediately. And uh, Titans Beast World is also coming from Tom Taylor and Ivan Rice. I just want to say that. And then Skybound uh, announced that they are um, launching. Their, they, they, had a, they showed off their recently launched Energon Universe, which brings Hasbro's G.I. Joe and Transformers together in a shared reality, just like we saw at the end of Rise of the Beast there, uh, Mike. So uh, interesting stuff, uh, Mike and Shannon. Uh, uh, there and also they announced that uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the last Ronin two reevolution will be coming very soon as well. I'm still working my way through the first uh, uh, last Ronin, and then Conan and Uzumaki got major announcements as well. So there's a lot there from comics. Yeah. Uh, Michael, I know uh, Kalinowski has been talking to himself. Anything uh, there from the comics that you know about intimately? You know many comic writers and animators yeah. and stuff what's going on i mean look i uh there's a lot of good stuff i mean i'm I, like i said i my goal right now is to catch up on a lot of dc yeah uh, i know with a lot of the new like kind of fresh starts they've had on some of the stuff i'm starting off with mark wade's world fine world's finest based on mike kalinowski's suggestion mm. um i'm excited about what skybound is doing i'm more than a uh, gi joe and transformers work great together when someone knows what they're doing and yeah. robert kirkman knows what he's doing so i'd rather yeah. I'd rather have him doing it than somebody at Hasbro doing it. Um, so I think that's great. I'm super excited. I will absolutely check that out. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff there. And then the other big show, not comics related, but I thought about it as you were talking about all the Marvel announcements. Look, yeah. one of the biggest trailers uh, at Comic-Con this year, and one of the panels that a lot of people were talking about was the Spider-Man 2 video game. Yes. I mean, that trailer is really exciting. I think that... that They've 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 really started to build out this world in the Spider-Man games where they are retelling the stories that we know, you know, uh, Eddie, Venom, Peter, but with Miles thrown into it, which kind of like changes the entire dynamic of the story. And I think the story trailer that they released got people really, really excited. I know I can't wait to play the game. Um, So, yeah, like I said, I mean, kind of to your point and our point earlier, it's like the excitement around what's actually happening in comics, in yeah. video games, in publishing, um, in the absence of the bigger thing, like it was fun. I mean, that was the, one of the things that I'll always remember about this Comic-Con as silly as it was, we stayed at the Marriott and you could like log into your Netflix account. And me and Shannon and Kalinowski, mm-hmm. every night when we would come home at varying levels of drunk, depending on which one <laughs> of us we're talking about, um and every morning when we woke up before we motivated and went to the gym we all laid there in the hotel room and watched episodes of justice league unlimited oh, just nice. talked about how that's how how justice league unlimited is still one of the best superhero stories ever told to th- to this day um so yeah like you know great things happening in comics i you know i know john you said you're working through it i picked up yeah. the last ronin yeah. i haven't read it yet so i picked up the last ronin excited to dive into that so it was yeah. fun to come out of a comic-con um excited about comic books yeah yeah shannon anything we said uh, from the comic side that you're excited about that you're looking forward to it so the kong versus godzilla versus the justice league when i saw the ad for it i thought it was a joke at first um, so knowing that it isn't i'm kind of like okay that is that's a brawl i would like to see i was also Ew. thinking obviously we know batman is a tactical genius but he's also the world's greatest detective i just want to see him looking at a giant footprint being hmm 
who did this? <laughs> and then just being able to point at uh, at the giant radioactive lizard walking down this walking down the city block. Um, the other one, like I haven't read the the last Ronin, but that is one that I that I am interested it's in. Good. And there was someone in the chat way at the beginning yeah. um, that had asked what the steampunk. Oh, comic that i that i ordered was it's called the boston metaphysical society which is such you a know great shannon, title if you know shannon there is not a title that is more apt to get him <laughs> to buy your comic than that yeah multi-syllabic set during set during the late 1800s it's the type of title that i'm angry i didn't come up with um <laughs> yes in the chat rodney saga's great love yes. saga yeah. Saga, Saga, all day long. Saga is one of the greatest reads. If you haven't read Saga, go get Saga. Saga is awesome. I almost picked it up because it was 25% off at this booth. And then I looked it up on Amazon. I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is cheaper on Amazon. So, yeah, this this year was an interesting situation when it came to comics. So, But there was a lot of those comics that were out there to purchase and the collections. There were some wonderful, huge compendiums. Like I saw a New Avengers compendium for 125 and there was a like a mini impulse, like 125, maybe. And I've never had that thought because I just love New Avengers. So yeah, well, so it would have been interesting. Um, is there any is there um any kind of final memories, final experiences? Is there anything you guys bought that you're really excited about? Um, or that you saw that excited you as you were walking the floor or hanging out in the panels that we haven't discussed? Yet? Well, I did buy a sick wonder woman painting um and i can't find i was trying to find the artist's name and i can't I have it written down somewhere and i can't find her name but i bought an amazing painting of a uh, wonder woman that is a daily planet cover and i'm just currently trying to figure out where it is going to go in my apartment um but no like the, the my favorite memory and this is what i love about comic cons this is my final thought on comic con um is that it just brings the most random groups of people together yeah it, who have a love of comics and movies and TV and video games and entertainment in general. And we had on our Saturday night, um, we all had a nice big dinner that our friend Jonathan Gabay uh, yes. helped us helped us well, Thank you, put together. Um, but you know, it was it was it was the Geek Buddies. It was our good buddy Kalinowski, who we always go down to Comic-Con with. It was our buddy Jonathan, who works at Berlanti. Our friend Susanna, who works at Adult Swim. Our friend Patrick from EW. Greg Weissman, talking about he was, he was there to promote the Gargoyles comics. And it was just this eclectic group of people that normally wouldn't all come together, sitting around a table, closing out a restaurant, arguing about Indiana Jones and James Bond, and laughing our asses off. And I had a moment where I sat there a few martinis in and mm. thought to myself like this is better than any party this is better than any party we could go to tonight mm. hanging out with these people sitting around a table laughing and talking like this is what comic-con's about it is a place it's it's hard to think about it now because geek culture is so pervasive and every yeah. streaming service is trying to get us to watch their stuff but there was a time where geeks had a hard time finding other geeks to talk to True. And places like comic book stores and places like comic book conventions is where you go to find the people that like the same stuff that you like. And so sitting around that table at this Comic-Con is always going to be one of my favorite moments because I was like, this is just a bunch of people nerding out and having a blast. Yeah, I, it was a blast. It was so much fun. And big shout out to uh, Jonathan Gabay for organizing that. And what's the show that's on Max now that people can watch that Jonathan Super Powered. Super Powered. It yeah. is a three, it is a three episode uh docu-series about the history of DC. It's, Our friend It's really good. I'm gonna finish it when we finish up here. Um, but I'm almost done with it. But it is a great 
The only the only critique I have is I wish it was longer. I wish it was Ooh. four or five episodes, but it really does an amazing job of tracking the rise of the superhero, the rise of comic books as told through DC, uh, and when they were killing it, and when they were struggling, and the and the moves they made to get there. It's really really well done. It's if you love comic books, which if you're listening to us talk right now, I'm assuming you do. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely worth checking out. It's a lot of fun. I agree. Yeah, uh, Shannon, any final memories or anything we didn't cover that you'd want to make sure we touch on? I mean, the dinner, the dinner was a big thing. The dinner yeah. was so much fun um, because this has turned into a Jonathan Gabay love fest uh, on uh, Saturday. He's, he's listening. He's listening right now. Is he really? he's, uh, <laughs> don't let it go to his head. <laughs> on Saturday, yeah. he snapped a pick from the floor of some Indiana Jones artwork. And oh, he yes. said, you, you need this. And I said, okay, can you just grab the, the booth number for me? And I'll, I'll try to go see it today or tomorrow. And then while he was there, the booth folks told him, like, that's actually our last one. So that good guy just bought it for me. Um, but also, we found a terrific, uh, terrific breakfast place that, uh, Johnny, you will, you will have to join us. It, it, it is potentially... Well, I live uh, here, so maybe I can go check it out with my lady, but yes. But it would be better with us. All fair. Okay. <laughs> it's it, not it will, the broken yoke. Okay. It, it is not. It will potentially be replacing oh. our, our our former hang. Not potentially. <laughs> All right. What's it. what's the name of it? Do you do you the not want to say? Company. Oh, the breakfast company. I think it's the, is it the Gasland Breakfast Company or is it just the Breakfast Company? It's just the Breakfast Company, but it was delicious. There's probably there's probably not two, but I just wanted to get the name <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I want to say uh, for me, it was an interesting experience to, uh, to have Comic-Con down here while I live here. So I learned a lesson this year that driving into Comic-Con is way too <laughs> annoying and exhausting and frustrating. And the smarter move is to get a hotel room. So I think if I do it next year, if I'm in town to do it next year, uh, I will absolutely be getting a hotel room or uh, qualifying somehow to get a hotel room uh, through the process. Um, uh, to be down there because there is no better thing than to be able to relax, go know that you can go back to your hotel room and rest for a little bit, change clothes, shower, whatever, because it gets sweaty, it gets hot and then head on over to hang out with your friends or go to panels and then hang out and then go to the parties. I, I, the reason I didn't go to the parties this year, other than being an old man is that I didn't want the annoyance of how long can I stay here before I have to run back to get my car? Where is the party at? Is it 15 blocks away from my car? Like those kinds of things I want to eliminate. But being there at the con, sensing the energy in the place, it was really great. It was a much more relaxed, open, fun, playful energy. The cosplay was extraordinary. I was talking to a couple who told me that they had eight or nine costumes for the entire time they were there. And they were changing out before parties every night. So one costume for day, one costume for night. And I'm like, this is madness. The kind of dedication people put in to these costumes. And there were some incredibly um, well put together and phenomenally designed uh, cosplay that was going on there at Comic-Con. It really is like the Super Bowl of cosplay going there. Yeah. Am I wrong? Agreed. Yeah. All right. There we go. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We got one uh, stream lab that came through here, right? At, or a couple actually that came through right at the end. Uh, when Edward says, uh, I've been following the Geek Buddy since the first. Hey. I thought, are they going to do that every episode? And now I love it. LOL. I go where Roka <laughs> goes. The writers, cinephiles, hot mic, outlaw nation, the geek, buggy, geek buddies 
keep rocking. Oh, thank you, Wayne. And thank you for opening the door to Mike and Shannon because they are fantastic. And I'm very honored to do the show with them. Um, and yes, we're not stopping a anytime soon. So, you know, be cr- everybody can be cringe about it. We enjoy doing it. Uh, <laughs> two dope boy says, Mike Cree summer tweeted out back in 2020 that Elmira and then Elmira won't be back in the tiny tunes reboot. I just got the word that Elmira will not be included in the tiny tunes reboot. Yeah. I'm sad too. They just don't want the character anymore. Uh, Cree. So that may be the reason, Mike, they are incorrect. <laughs> there to not have it or she's incorrect to say it's not coming back no 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 no. they are incorrect i believe Cree yeah. summers she says if she says she didn't do elmira then i'm pretty sure she didn't do elmira yeah, yeah. uh no they are incorrect for not wanting elmira i because i can just hear them in a room now that like oh cruelty to animals is gonna be like a pc thing and we don't want to <laughs> do it El- that is what elmira was like that and that's and it's and and if that is the case it's stuff like that that makes me nervous about this show <laughs> oh, uh, sure. and just to Evangelion 007's uh, question for me okay. um, yes uh, Robert Kirkman doing what he wants with G.I. Joe and Transformers could very well be like a Lauren Faust situation I think oh. that uh, okay. I think that coming in and like a little bit of a fresh take and Robert Kirkman has proven time and time again that he's really great with a uh, really interesting and innovative storytelling Yeah. Um, I know that Hasbro would love nothing more than to have G.I. Joe and Transformers inhabit the same universe and if you saw Rise of the Beast you know that they certainly want that to happen but sure. I think they probably need someone like a Lauren Faust like a Robert Kirkman to help make that happen so as I said before everything that he's doing I'm really excited to check it out and mm-hmm. uh, see where it goes and uh TBD if I think it's going to be awesome, but I think chances are good. Yeah. Um, I will say one last thing. Star Wars Outlaws. I was in that panel. It's fantastic. They showed a nine-minute behind-the-scenes video of the creation of the um, game, and I wanted to buy it immediately. It is an open-world game. You will be able to walk all around Tatooine, ride your speeder bike all around Tatooine, and go into space and the new ship. Uh, is pretty awesome. God, I can't remember the name of the ship. It's something interesting and funny and really on the nose, but I still like it. And it's a stolen ship. <laughs> Brisket. <laughs> no, it's, it's like a circumstance or something. It's an interesting name. Anyway, um, you will absolutely be able to do everything and go to all these planets and open world. And it's so interesting in the way they've designed it, and the way it looks. And the Scoundrels is what they wanted to call it. They wanted to call it Star Wars Scoundrels, but they went with Outlaws because they felt that it was better but it's very much a scoundrels-focused game. So if you're a fan of the scoundrels type of approach or universe in the Star Wars universe, you're really going to enjoy the game. So I can't <clears throat> I can't sing its praises enough. It looks awesome, you know. And so there you go. That's what I want to say. Um, all right, well, there you go. Thank you all so much for joining us for this live episode of the Geek Buddies, our Comic-Con recap and review. Two hours flew by uh, discussing all of this stuff with my two wonderful buddies here, but also you all in the chat and your stream labs and super chats, which we appreciate badly. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon, the geek buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says Mikey. 
Uh, look, Comic-Con might be over, but the geek love does not have to end. Uh, <laughs> we are going to be here every week, multiple times, talking about all your favorite stuff. And so here's what you can do for us. Go ahead and smash that like button below. Like Johnny said, subscribe to the Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he's got. If you're uh, listening to us on the podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so that we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. Speaking of comments, uh, the live chat has been awesome, but definitely yeah. leave your comments below. What did you think of Comic-Con? What did you think of the trailers what are you excited about what are you concerned about what are you mad about let us know below uh and as always the best thing that you can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go and we are on the realm fm network so shout out to them for uh carrying our show and distributing our show wherever you download podcasts we appreciate them madly all right you guys are amazing thanks so much for hanging out listen we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode or review here from the geek buddies get ready for the cringe <gasps> hey! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.